How's everybody doing this morning? Doing well? Very good, very good. I am excited to be here. I'm excited to be uh, speaking. I, I got, I was blessed. Uh, our church is blessed to have a few different people that God has given the gift to communicate and to preach and to teach. And so uh, being able to take a couple weeks off is exciting. And I think it's really healthy for the church anyway, uh, just to have the multiple perspectives and how God flows and works through different people as well. And so uh, I'm really excited to get back in. And if, so if I'm a little more excited than usual, you know, just lean in, okay? Just lean in because I've been resting and recuperating and Almost had to preach to my dog, Montana, you know, just to, to get it all out. But uh, today, if you're joining us for the first time or maybe the first time in a few weeks, uh, we're at the tail end of a series called By Faith. And we have been studying Hebrews chapter 11. And we have saw all of these different examples that uh, the writer of Hebrews brought out. And the important thing for you and I to remember is the reason why Hebrews 11 was written. And really the whole book of Hebrews was written. And it was written to encourage the Christians who were coming to know Christ, who were coming into the faith, and they were experiencing immediate persecution. Uh, some of them were being whipped and beaten and thrown into jail. And some of them were being uh, ostracized from their families because they came to know Christ. And so they wrote this book going, hey, remember, remember the people who have gone before you to encourage them, to help them to their faith to grow even during those hard times. And so we're going to dive into Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be at the very bottom, verses 32 through 40, and then just the very uh, few verses there at the beginning of Hebrews uh, chapter 12. And you'll see why here in just a few moments. But I want to pray for us. Just ask God to speak to our hearts here today, and then we'll jump right in, okay? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Uh, we know that today is a gift and that uh, thank you for each and every soul that can hear the sound of my voice. And I believe that everybody uh, who can hear my voice is here on purpose for a reason. God, that you have divinely ordained this moment for us to hear your word and to grow closer to you, God. I pray that you stir our faith up. I pray that you just fan the flame, that you stir something up inside of us, God, that we can't help but to do something about it. God, I pray that uh, I would decrease so that you may increase. I pray that you would just speak to our hearts and bring comfort to those who need comfort, peace to those who need peace, and stirring to those who need stirring, God. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Uh, I can remember in my early days, uh, the first time or around the first time that I, I realized I needed glasses. Okay, so does anybody here wear contacts or have glasses? You understand my struggle. And when I was in the eighth grade, if you don't wear glasses and you're blessed to have just 20-20 vision, you get used to get wake up and everything's crystal clear. Uh, my wife is like that. And so I, I remember in eighth grade, I started walking the halls and I couldn't tell if people were looking at me. You know, like they were far away and I couldn't tell they, until they got right up on me. I'm like, why is everything blurry and all of these different things? And then I sat in the back of my classroom in my eighth grade and I couldn't see the board, you know. So I started raising my hand, asking different questions. And my teacher's like, can you see? Can you see the board? And so she moved me up and then my mom took me to get glasses. And I remember uh, walking outside. I, I don't know if you've had kids and you tried to get them to wear contacts but it's a crazy feeling. The first time, it didn't work for me, so I tried glasses the first time. And going outside for the first time, you remember, you remember that first time you saw with glasses on? You're like feeling like Aladdin. This is a whole new world, right? Like you were outside, you're like, oh, I didn't know that was that green. 
Look at that cloud. You can see all the, the pieces of the cloud. You can see the leaf. Look at the details on that leaf, right? You can see all of these pieces. Because like, I can see clear again. This is amazing. And the whole world opened up. And it's like everything was brand new. And it, some things were even a little different. I was like, look at these colors and this brightness. This is amazing. And when I think about that experience in my life, and I think about Hebrews chapter 11, and honestly, just even the larger scope of being a Christian, of placing our faith in Christ, it's like God gives us a new lens of where, how we can view life, where everything is different. It's like we see things sharper, and uh, we get this whole new experience when we give our lives to Jesus, and we see life differently. Then maybe when then before when we came to know Christ, right? Maybe we saw our future. We saw other people. We saw the way we viewed ourselves, right, was a different way. And then when we come to know Christ, it's like we put on a different pair of lenses. And we go, oh, that, that's who I am. That, that's who I'm supposed to be. Oh, this is what my future looks like. Oh, this is, this is how I treat people. Oh, this is what this looks like, right? And it, it changes the way that we view our lives and view the lives of the people around us. And I, and I just keep thinking about Hebrews chapter 11 and all of these examples of by faith, by faith, by faith. And it's reminding me of that truth. It's almost like the writer is going, hey, don't forget, put your glasses back on, right? Like, like put your faith glasses back on. I know it's tough. And, and if you've ever experienced like crying with glasses or maybe you've played sports with glasses on, they get foggy and you have to take them off. And you have to like clear yourself or you walk out in the air condition and the heat and they become all foggy or you try to wear a mat. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm digressing now. But you, you, you do all of these aspects, right? Because when it's hard, it's almost like it's foggy and cloudy. I'm going, God, what, what's going on here? Why am I facing this? In fact, God, you called me and said, follow you, and I'm following you, and it's harder, right? Like, it's just tough. It's almost like somebody's attacking me. It's like somebody's trying to hold me back, and all of these different pieces. I thought life was going to be smooth, right? But it's actually the seas have gotten more rough, right? And all of these different pieces, and so you're, we begin to wrestle with that. And the writer says, hey, put your faith glasses back on. I want you to see what living by and through faith looks like. Because it's easy, especially during those hard times, to go, what is going on? How is this happening? And he's trying to encourage us. And so as we read Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 32. And he's given us all of these examples, 16 different ones, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And then he kind of sums everything up and he begins to talk about a, a, a group of people. And then he says, here's what they did through faith. And then here's also what they faced, but faith got them through it. And uh, it's going to close and wrap up here. But in Hebrews chapter 11, everybody still doing OK? Very good. Uh, starting here in verse 32, it says, and, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon. He starts listing all these people. Barak, Samson, uh, Japheth, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith, and then he gets this list right here, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness. Come on, somebody, right? Became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured. And then he begins to switches and he says, even though they experienced all this, 
they also experienced suffering. It says, some were tortured, refusing to accept their release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. I mean, this is almost like a roller coaster of emotions, right? We get into this phase and it's like he is preaching. He's like, they have shut the mouths of lions and they have conquered mountains and they have taken over kingdoms and they set people free and they hit this list. And one for me is, oh, they, they were made strong out of their weakness, right? And he begins this huge list, but then he goes, hey, not only did they do all of these amazing things, but there were people who did not like that people were being set free. There were people that didn't like that they were overcoming kingdoms. There were people that didn't like that they were showing all of this power from another world, right? And it says they were tortured. Some were whipped and beaten and flogged and sawn in two and, and ostracized. And all of these different things. And the writer is writing this to help people understand of going, hey, the hardship that you're facing now, these people have faced hardships too. And here's how they got through it. And the way they got through it was by faith. And the way they got through it was understanding that there's these people around who, who know and can sympathize with the struggles and the pain and the trials that you and I are going through. And we see this picture of what God can do. And he says, hey, in those times where it feels difficult and you can't go on, he says, remember those who have walked in the past. Remember those who have given their lives to God and they followed him and they were willing to follow him even if their obedience led them to certain death or led them to jail or led them to be uh, walking in the desert alone. But yet they clung to God, clung to his obedience. And then it says this kind of peculiar verse there at the end, right? It says, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. It's saying all of these people that we just talked about, all of this huge list of people, they didn't receive the ultimate promise. In fact, they went through all of this and the, the fulfilled promise is not all the way done yet. It's like they're still standing around going, OK, we're we're all a part of this. This is going to happen in the, the piece, the big piece of that. It's because the, everybody that they're talking about were Old Testament people, right? That Jesus had not come yet. And so they were living in this Old Testament law. And then when the New Testament came, when Jesus came, he was the fulfilled Messiah. He is the one that changed the game, right? And he took us from the Old Testament to the New Covenant. And through Christ, we see the promised Messiah came. And now you and I live in a different relationship. We have access to God, right? We think about Moses. Remember, he had to go to God on behalf of of all of his people, right? Remember in Exodus 18 and uh, his stepfather Jephro, everybody, thousands and thousands of people, they were going straight to Moses to hear from God. So they would line up day after day and Moses would go to God and get insight and wisdom and go back to these people and God would speak through prophets. But then when Jesus came, it says that Jesus made a way where he is now our new high priest 
And now you and I, we can sit right here where we are right now in the name of Jesus and go into the very throne room of God and our prayers can be heard because of what Jesus has done that we don't have to go through anybody else that every single Christian has access to God. And that's the promise that you and I get to live into. There's an amazing story. That's not in my notes, but I told you I hadn't preached in a little while. But anyway, there's an amazing story of Moses and He's talking to God and he's asking for all of these amazing things from God. And he's kind of on a roll because God is talking to him. And then he goes, hey, uh, God, can I see your glory? And God goes, you can't see my glory because if you actually see all of me, you're just going to die. Like you can't, uh, you can't see my full form. And he goes, okay, well, here's what I want to do. I want you to go hide in this rock. And I don't want you to look. I'm going to let you see just a, a, a small glimpse of my passing backside. But don't look, because if you look too soon and you see my full glory, it's not going to go well for you, right? And so he hides in this rock, hides in this nook. And can you imagine the scene? Moses, this patriarch, we just talked about splitting of the Red Sea. And it's just, his eyes are closed and he's hiding, right? And he's like, do I look yet? 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 Right? And then God passes by and God tells him to look. And he looks and he sees just a passing smallest glimpse of God's glory. And it says he comes down from the mountain and his face glue. For days. How amazing to think about the presence of God and his glory. And he lists all of these people and he's saying, but you and I have something that Moses wish. Moses wished he had what you and I have. And that we get to see the invisible God in the visible form whose name is Jesus. And we get to see the face of God to know what he would live like, what he would do, how he would act and talk with all of those people around us, right? We would know that because now we have Jesus who was God and walked this earth. And then not only that, right? We know that there is a promise, new heaven and new earth. That we're in this, uh, this uh, moment as well, even as New Testament Christians, that we're going to be in heaven and, uh, or maybe God comes back, Jesus comes back before them, right? And then there's a new heaven and a new earth. And now there's another layer of this promise that we're all a part of, that there's more promises to come, that we're all kind of cheering this, this uh, thousands of Jason, uh, Jason. Jacob was talking about uh, these thousands of hallelujahs that are to come. And we get to be a part of this experience. And for you and I, remember that faith is more than belief, right? Faith is attached not only belief, but I reorient my whole life to who I place my faith in, right? It's faith and action. It's faith and change. It's faith comes together because the demons believe in Jesus, right? They know he's real. They know he's exists, but they, they don't place their faith in him. They don't call him as Messiah and as Lord. And if I place my faith in Jesus, it, it's me going, okay, God, I'm, I'm following everything for you. And then we get this uh, a beautiful verse, right? Because Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2 give us a picture of, okay, now what? Right? Like all of these pieces, we see this. They, they went through all of this, but now what? What do we do? How do we walk by faith? And what does that look like? And the writer of Hebrews here in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, right? Uh, Tim last week did a great job preaching. He talked about that word, therefore. And anytime we hear that word, therefore, we need to go back and see what it is there for, right? So he lists all of Hebrews chapter 11. And then he goes, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses. Isn't that encouraging? He's like, hey, since you're living your life, as a Christian, I'm living my life as a Christian. We have this great cloud of witnesses 
this whole list that we just talked about. And I think about that because I'm a church planter and we, we started this church and uh, the Apostle Paul was a church planter. And, you know, and there's days when it's really hard uh, to be a church planter. Right. But then I think about the Apostle Paul. And I just picture him in heaven like this great cloud of witnesses, right? And if, and if the Apostle Paul were alive and he were to walk up here, I mean, he would probably be limping. His back would be hunched over. You would visibly see scars on his face and his head and his back. And some people believe he couldn't see real well. And so he would just kind of walk up as a church planter because he's been whipped and beaten and shipwrecked. I'm like, no, nah, I'm okay. I can set up. It's 730. It's fine. You know, whatever. You know, but these great cloud of witnesses... I would encourage us to go, hey, stay in the fight. You can do this. Great. Come on. Yes. The promise you're receiving of the promise of Jesus. But there's a new heaven and a new earth that is coming too. just keep on the fight. There are people that God has called us to. Right. And he's saying you are a part of this and that great cloud of witnesses that we get to see. And then he goes into and this is the good part. This is the practical part. It says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And we see this beautiful, amazing picture. And I want to give us a couple of things here as we close out this series. And the first one is, is that you and I, we have a race to run. You have a race to run that God has called every Christian to this race. And when you and I put this lens of faith on, he's going, OK, here's the race that I'm calling you to. There is this global race, this global calling that he's called every single Christian to know who they are in Christ. And then he says, therefore, go and make disciples right of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them to obey all the things that I've commanded you. Right. He gives us that that huge call for every single person to evangelize and make disciples. But then the avenue in which we do that may look a little different, right? I mean, even in this entire list, Noah, God called him to build a boat for 75 years. He's chopping down gopher wood, right? And then he called Abraham to lead his people, right? And then he called Moses and, he, and Moses had a different calling than Noah, right? And can you imagine being Moses and Moses going to God and going, oh, you know what? I got my race, but uh, just think about Noah. He got to build a boat. and He got to sit by himself. I have to go talk to the Pharaoh, right? Like every one of us have a race. And even though that race may look differently, but every one of us, I think that's one of the big lenses that we get to that is revealed to us as a Christian. I'm going, OK, God, I've been saved in Christ. And not only that, but God gives us a mission. He gives us a purpose of going, okay, here you go. You may be a school teacher, right? And you're in your classroom and you're teaching away and, and God's working through you to love all of those kids and all of those parents. You may be a doctor or a nurse or uh, you may be in the restaurant business or you may, may be a stay-at-home mom or you may be a dad. Whatever it may be, whatever avenue that God has called us to, God's going, I want to work through you. And as I work through, you have your race to run. But then he says something here that, that really helps us out. And he says that when you and I, we set aside every weight and sin, 
so that we can. Now think about the Olympics. I love the Olympics. Anybody else love the Olympics in here? Yeah, I love watching all the different pieces. Like I don't even like water polo, and I'm like, yes, water polo, here we go, right? Like USA, USA, and we're watching the Olympics. I think the women's thing was on this morning too. My wife was watching it, but uh, as we're thinking about the Olympics, and even I think about track and field in particular, and they have all of these races that are 10 seconds long, and these people have been training their entire life for 10 seconds, right? For 10 seconds of glory, 10 seconds of all of this culmination, four years of, of not eating certain foods, just eating protein and this much and, and tracking every calorie that they have. And when they show up for the race, they're, they're not wearing whatever they want to wear, right? No, they're wearing like state-of-the-art like spandex, whatever, right? Like they're wearing these and they've, they've picked out the best shoe, not, not just the best shoe, but the best shoe for them. Right? Like it fits their feet and the way that their feet is formed and all of these different pieces. They do all of that. Why? They didn't have to, but they did it so that they can run their best race. And I love this verse because it's, it gives us two different categories. He says, I'm called, you have a race to run. And when we run our race, there's going to be sin that tries to entangle us, right? Like everybody is going to face and wrestle with sin because we still live in a fallen and broken world. But then he says, there may also be weight that we need to drop, right? Like it may not necessarily be a sin. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, not everything is a sin, but yet not everything is beneficial, right? And there may be some things in our lives that are holding us back from running our race. And it, it may not necessarily be something that's bad or against God's word, but yet it's slowing us down. A super practical example could be I, I watch 12 shows at night. Right. And God's calling me to get into his word and spend time with prayer. And even though it may not be a sin for me to sit there and watch all of those, but it may be slowing me down, too. Right. Or maybe there's different pieces and categories inside of our lives where God just may prompt us. The Holy Spirit may guide us and go, hey, look, this is something maybe you just need to drop. And maybe it's just dropping for a season. Right. Or maybe it just whatever it may be. It could even be a relationship. It could be a, a friend that's, that's slowing us down, that's holding us back. And I'm not saying just drop the friend completely, but maybe we put them in a different category, right? Of going, God maybe want me to reach out to them, but yet I need to, to have some godly community that helps me run the race. And God is saying there may be some pieces in our lives that's going, hey, it, it's going to help us, but drop what can slow us down, right? And then this one here, it says, the verse gives us a picture. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance. And this is it right here. The race that is set before us. That you and I have a race to run. And that every race, that your race may be different than my race, right? We're, we're headed to the same mission and to the same goal and have the same Jesus that is following us, but our race may look a little different, and the things that, that happen inside of our lives may be a little different, right? And here's an example is uh, one of my uh, favorite quotes, uh, Craig Rochelle says it, I think a couple of other people have said it before too, is the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Right. You know, you've, have you had something before? Right. Like maybe you got a gift or maybe you're, you feel like your life's going well. You just got this promotion at work and you just felt like at peace and this feels so good. And then you open up Instagram and you see like your best friend who's on the trip like in Maui. And you're like, oh, here we go. Right. Like all of a sudden we've, we've taken what we had and we've compared it to something else. And it starts to crush it. Right. It starts to squeeze it out. And we see this even happen in Scripture 
what we just talked about. Imagine these guys who are all running a different race, had all different callings. And we see that David had a different calling than Moses. And what if they were looking around going, well, David gets to be king. Come on, like, why can't I do that? Like, what, what happened to my race? And in John chapter 21, we see this with the disciples where at the end, Jesus is getting ready to go back to heaven and Jesus looks to Peter and basically tells him, hey, you're going to die early for the gospel and here's how you're going to die. And Peter looks over at John and goes, huh, uh, Jesus, well, what about him? Right? Like, literally, this is in the Bible. It's crazy. He's like, well, what about him? And Jesus goes, what about him? If I want him to stay alive until I come back, then let him stay alive. What is it to you, Peter? Basically, he's looking at Peter going, Peter, run your race. The race that I've called you to, right? Like, don't worry about their race. Their race may look different. They may even get different things. Their job may be different. Their whatever, their life may look different, right? And when we, when we begin to kind of look to the side, and if you're a sprinter and you start running like this, you already know you're probably going to lose, right? Because you've lost sight of what's important. You've lost sight of the, the mission and the purpose that's ahead because we look to the side. And we can begin to compare, right? And we can see this play out in almost every different avenue of life. We could see it in parenting, right? We look to somebody else's and we start comparing our parenting. We can look at marriages and look at other people's. And and, and it can start to crush something that's special. We can look in our job fields. We can look at uh, the house we have. We can look at the car we have. You know, all of these different aspects and we start comparing. We can look at our bank account, right? We can look at all these different things and we start to compare and go, well, We can ask the same question that Peter asked. Well, what about them, God? I'm following you, and look, they're following you, and look what they got. And I I don't have that. And God's going, hey, what, what is it to you? I need you to run your race. Keep your eyes fixated. No, I need you to trust me. And then in John chapter 21, he tells Peter this the same command, the same principle, basically, as he did at the very beginning. He says, you know what? I want you to follow me. He goes through all of that list. What is it to you? And then he says, I want you to follow me. And here's the thing. The next piece that you and I get is that Jesus sets the course for the race, right? He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And when you and I place our faith in Jesus, he becomes the front runner, front runner, right? He's the one that we follow. And if we follow Jesus, he's going to keep us on track. He's going to keep us on course. And that's the beauty of following God. That's the beauty of following Jesus. He's saying, I'm giving you a promise. And it is God himself dwelling in you. Who's going who's gonna to help guide you through this whole process. And then it says this. It says, looking to Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. That's a, it begins to think of like an oxymoron here, right? The joy that was set before him. Endured the cross, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Imagine to think about that. And we think about all of these verses that we just read that they shut the mouths of lions and they conquer kingdoms and all of these different pieces. And it said, then it goes right into everything that they suffered. But for you and I to realize that the joy that is set before us is following Jesus and trusting him with our lives. And he gives us this deep joy 
right? This deep joy that we experience that can only come from following Christ, from following Jesus, that even when you and I face hardships, face suffering, when things don't go our way and the expectations we have, or maybe the world is saying one thing and you know, we're straying on another and we're, we're fighting and wrestling with God and all of these pieces aren't coming into place and all of a sudden we're saying, where is the joy in this? And he's saying it's because we've taken our eyes off the founder and perfecter of our faith. And I love this amazing verse in uh, Psalms. And it gives us this picture because it's the picture of David. And, J- and David is praying this prayer of repentance to God. And he prays this almost same prayer right here. It says, return to me the joy of my salvation. And he begins to cry out to God of going, I'm going through this anguish. I'm going through this suffering. And he begins to pray and goes, I need to get back. To the joy of my salvation, I got to get back to the gospel. I got to get back to knowing that Jesus saved me and he pulled me out from the darkest places as Jacob was just talking about. And if I remember what God has saved me from, now I know that I am following Jesus. I am saved. I am redeemed. And as uh, we learned last week with Tim, this beautiful picture that this is not our home. And that Hebrews 11 reminds us that the joy that is set before us is heaven and that this is not our home. And even though we may face suffering and trials and heartaches and troubles, but nothing compares to the joy that is set in front of us, right? And it's almost like when we go through that suffering, we go through that pain for the sake of the gospel, people look at you and look at me and go, what's wrong with you? Like, how do you have joy in this? And we lean in and go, how can I tell you a little secret? This is not my home. I have an eternal hope. And I'm just keeping my eyes on Jesus, right? That this is not my home. That that I'm willing to walk through all of these pieces, just like Hebrews 11, all of these moments, so that one person can come to know Christ, right? Like all of these pieces. We just had VBS, and we celebrated six kids who gave their lives to Jesus. All right? Like, isn't that amazing? I mean, I would decorate, I would, I would set up VBS every day of the week and tear it down for one kid to come to know Christ, right? Like every time we would walk through all of that just so that kids could come to know Jesus. Why? Because that changes everything. Now they view life differently. They got a whole new set of lens that they can live life. And when that guy, right, like they're 15 years old and that guy tries to manipulate them, they know who they are in Christ. They're looking at life and relationships through a completely different lens because they're comfortable and secure in who they are right and now their life becomes a different moment because of who they are in Jesus is the altar and perfecter of our faith and God begins to do something in us right just as we talked about the Olympics and all of these different pieces and moments that come into our lives and it's a moment for you and I to go okay God I believe that you have a race for me. And maybe maybe you're still discovering what that race is, right? I, I still know what my mission is that God's called me to, to, to share the gospel and to make disciples. I know that, to spend time with God, but yet I have a, what is my avenue that you're calling me to, God? And I, my encouragement to you is until you figure out exactly what that avenue is, just start being faithful and obedient right where you are. Right where you are, get as close to Jesus as you can right now, and he will lead you.
to the right race. He will lead you to the exact right place that you need to be. And you may be wrestling through all of that. And maybe you may be in a moment in a season where God's going, hey, before I put you in the avenue, there's some things that I need you to drop. Because if you're still holding on to those and I put you in that avenue, you're not going to be able to run at the pace I need you to run at. Right. If I were to go out and face Usain Bolt. Right. Like I would pull a hammy. My calves would hurt. Right. Like the EMT would come over, shock me back. My, I wouldn't be able to make it. Right. Because I'm not there. I'm not at that level. I haven't been training like that. And all of these things, because if I don't run the race that was designed for me, I'm going to feel like a fish out of water. Right. But God's going, hey, I got a race for you. And I got a race for you. And I got a race for you. And it may look different than your neighbor. It may look different than your parents. It may look different than your brother. It may look different than other people around you. But I have a race for you. And if you will trust me and help me. And I'm telling you, as a parent, that's one of the hardest things to do, right? Because my job is to discover the race that God has made for them. Not the race that I want them to run, right? Because I got a really good plan. Here we go. Here it is, right? Like, you need to do this, this, and this, right? But I have to go, you know what? This is the race that God's designed for you. And I'm here to be a shepherd of that and to walk with you in that, right? And even as a boss, I, like, I lead differently as a boss, right? Because I may have all of these plans, but God's going, I got a race for them. And I'm here to help them walk through that process of whatever that may look like. And you and I are called to run that race. But the only way that we can run that race is by faith, right? Because you're not always going to know the end result. You're not always going to know how it's going to play out, right? But by faith, we trust God. And by, I'm telling you, I've been following Jesus now for a long time. And I, I can't tell you a, a faith step that I have taken that I was 100% like, yep, here we go. I know everything, how it's going to play out. I know everything that's going to happen. No, Jesus, he normally goes, here's your next step, right? All right, he usually goes, hey, here's your next step. You take that next step, and he goes, okay, awesome. Here's your next step, right? And every single, it's mind-blowing, it's scary, it's crazy to think about, but every single time we learn that he is faithful. Every single time he works it out. Every single time, most of the time, it doesn't work out exactly how my expectations thought, right? Like, but Jesus goes, I want you to cling to me, trust me, and keep taking those steps of obedience and remember who you are, remember the race, remember there's a great cloud of witnesses cheering you on, that you're, this is not your home and that God's got a race for you that he's calling you out and when you get to heaven we may get there and we're talking to Jesus and we're talking to the people around us and we go oh oh okay I see what you were doing there I see what you were doing there oh that's awesome right and then four or five generations later you're like oh, you were doing that too that is amazing I can't believe that I should have just trusted you more I should have just said okay here's today here's Tuesday whatever you want to do Jesus right but it's so hard because we wrestle with it every single day. But God's going, hey, I've called you to this race. But can you imagine what a, a full room like this, what would happen if you and I left this place and we said, okay, Jesus, I'm trusting you with my life. Whatever you want to do in me and through me, I, I'm saying yes. I'm here for it, right? God, use me for your glory. And as we head out of this place, we're going, you know what? I'm just going to keep my eyes 
on Jesus. And I'm going to take it day by day, right? That's what James, the book of James tells us. Take it, I'm going to take it day by day. Why worry about tomorrow? Tomorrow has enough worries for itself, right? But I'm going to, I'm going to worry about today. I'm going to be as faithful and obedient today, God, because I know you hold my tomorrow. I know you hold my future. But today, I want to be faithful. Today, I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to focus on today, God, because I know you hold my tomorrow. And my job right now today is to be faithful and obedient. Doesn't that take some weight off our shoulders, right? It takes some weight off of going, whoo, I don't have to change the world. Jesus is going to do that, right? Like, I, I don't have to change everything that's going on, but what I have to do, what I need to do is to be faithful and obedient today, right? And it takes us on this journey of following God, that he has a race. But it, I think it takes you and I realizing maybe for the first time that God has a race for you. This God-ordained divine race and so race and i'm going to pray for us as a church and maybe if you're sitting in the room or listening online and uh, the first step that god always calls us to is to have a relationship with him because it's through that relationship that he shows us when, and how he guides us every step of the way but at first he wants a relationship with us i mean he may be ordaining all of these different things in your lives and you may be praying to god going god i need you to do this in my life and this in my life and this in my life and god's going first i want you to surrender your life to me first i want you to trust me with your life and then when we do that he's going okay this is a place where we can start. This is a place where I can begin to guide you and direct you. And so I want to pray for us and just ask God to speak to our hearts. Or maybe you're somebody in the room and uh, life has just been difficult, right? Life has just been tiring and it's been hard. And we look to Hebrews 11 and we're reminded of the great promises of God. That he, he helped every single one of these examples make it through by faith. And he'll do the same for you. He'll do the same for me. And we cling to the promises that he will work all things out for the good of those who love him, right? And he gives us this beautiful picture, these promises to look to, the joy that is set before us. And so if you want to give your life to Christ for the very first time, let's pray together. You can pray this prayer with me. It just goes something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I know that I've missed the mark. God, I know that I've made mistakes. God, I know that I don't have a relationship with you. God, I, I want to turn from all of that. And I want to give you my life, Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again, God. And I ask that you would save me here today. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to pray with you. Just shoot your hand up and say, I prayed that prayer with you, Daniel, today. I just want to pray with you and pray as we walk through this journey alone together. And as a church, I just want to pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for everything that you're doing in us and through us. I pray that we live our lives looking through the lens of faith. God, I pray for those that maybe walked into this place and uh, are battling discouragement or battling hurt. And it could be because they're living for God, because they're not willing to let go of your promises and of your truth, God. And I pray just like the writer of Hebrews that they can be encouraged today to maintain the course, to do not give up what is doing good. Because at the right time, God, your word says we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. God, we're praying to the Lord of the harvest. That you would send the rain, God. And we know you'll send the rain at the right time. 
And while we wait on the rain or maybe, God, while we're waiting on you to move in the exact way that we are, what we're going to do is we're going to praise you, God. We're going to walk in obedience to you, God. I pray that you use us for your glory. May we run our race with endurance that we dig our feet in and we trust you every step of the way. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We're going to... Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.